Thank you so much, team, for leading us. And I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6 is where we are going to be this morning and uh, walking through uh, verses 19 through 21. And I mentioned today we are wrapping up a series that we're calling Moving Forward. And uh, the encouragement we find in Scripture is that there is nothing that can stop the church. There's nothing that can stop the church. Christ's encouragement to Peter there in a place called Caesarea Philippi, Matthew 16, uh, in the center, it was an epicenter of pagan worship and idol worship. All of these outside pressures, certainly they're in the minority and their convictions of Christ as their treasure. And yet it is Jesus that says that uh, the very gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so there's this great encouragement. Be encouraged, church. Nothing can stop the church. Uh, but there are all kinds of things that can slow down a church. Uh, and, and the challenge or the encouragement comes really as a faith family that we must, we must uh, stay focused on the why. Why the church exists. Why did God uh, provide this tool, this, this gathering of people to rescue us, to redeem us? What is, what is the purpose of all of this? And the theme through scripture is twofold, one for his glory and for his mission. That that is why we're here. We're here for the glory of God and we're here for the mission of God. And so as we've been walking through these five weeks in January, uh, the, the heart behind this is as we move forward as the church, that there are certain, uh, whether you want to call them behaviors or practices, um, beliefs, uh, I would call them gospel values, that, that, that these, are, these are those behaviors as a church that as we rally around, it's going to continue to move us forward, staying focused uh, on this mission that he's entrusted to us for his glory. And so starting in that first Sunday back in January, it was God help us become a disciple making church, that there are many things we can do, many things we will do, but what we must do is we must be a disciple-making church who is committed to making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so a practical application of that is uh, this uh, kind of emphasis around, one, being connected in community. Obviously here gathering community through Sunday school. But then also there's this next step that we call D-groups. And that's that knee-to-knee -knee discipleship. And we encourage you. Uh, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've heard about it. You want to learn more. We'd love to share more about that. But, but the whole purpose is making disciples who make disciples. We talked about being a praying church, that this is, this is the gift that Christ has given to us, purchased by his blood, that we can commune with the Father, that it's through prayer, that we will adore God. It's through prayer that we confess to God. It's through prayer that we thank God. But, but also prayers that avenue where we are intercessors, that we stand in the gap praying, pleading, sometimes crying for God to intervene work. And, and one of those avenues that we leaned in specifically is that we would never stop praying for people to come to Christ. That, that who is your one is, is that emphasis. Who's at least one person in your circle, in your world, in your family, in your workplace who needs the hope of Jesus, who needs Jesus, and that we would commit to praying specifically for them. If you walk outside of this room and there's tables and you may see little booklets that say, 
Who's your one? It's a, it's a prayer guide on how to pray specifically for that person. It's just a tool. It's a, a great help. So God help us become a praying church. We also pray, uh, taught about God help us become a loving church. And, and it's this idea that love is the defining mark of a disciple. John 13, Jesus said, the world will know that you are mine because of the love that you have for one another. And it's this unconditional agape, even though kind of love that says, even though this, even though that, I love you still. And that, and that it is the love of the church that, that protects the unity of the church. But it's also the love of strangers, which is hospitality, that preserves the witness of the church. And so this is the mark. And so God help us. God help us become a loving church. Last week we talked about God help us to become a missional church. And Jesus post-resurrection in that upper room, he in his post-resurrection body just kind of walks through the wall and there they are. The disciples are in fear and Christ says, don't be afraid. And he says, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. And God's heart for his followers, his disciples is that we are sent. We are missionaries. It's who we are. And so do you read in scripture, many familiar with the great commission, go make disciples of all nations. And so we see that God is a missionary God. He's a mission God. And so he's sending us on mission and the encouragement. One of the takeaways last week was that as believers is that even though there are times that we maybe don't feel like it, or even we look in the mirror and we, we don't, we don't feel like it or, or, or we don't rest in the truth. The truth is this, is that as a believer who has been rescued by God's grace is that he has given every believer at least one spiritual gift that he has given every believer a, a heartbeat. I call it an emotional heartbeat. In other words, there are unique and special burdens that God has placed on each of us that God wants to use. And so the encouragement was don't ignore that special burden. Don't put it on a shelf. Don't say maybe one day I'll do something about that. God's given you that. He's also given you abilities. He's given you personality. He's given you experiences. And God uses all of that to shape and uniquely wire you his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, you're his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which he prepared in advance that you should walk in. This is why we say God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. And so he wants to use that. And so the encouragement was, okay, what is your special burden? What is that thing in your life that you can't shake that God's put on your heart? And where does your burden and a need and opportunity cross? And it could be that God would want to use you to grow and expand his kingdom, really leaning into that. And so, so God help us move forward. So God help us become a disciple making church. God help us to become a loving church, a praying church, a missional church. And today we're wrapping up the series by talking about God help us become a generous church. And I just want to be real careful to say, um, I believe and see we are all of these things. But I also know that, that, that we are all unfinished, right? We're all works in progress. And so God's wanting and desiring to continue to, to mold us, shape us, um, uh, sanctify us in, into uh, more and more into his image. And so as we look at generosity, we want to become a generous people because we serve a generous God. And oftentimes today, our generosity is connected to who or what we treasure. 
In other words, we find ourselves being willing to go over and beyond, above and beyond for those things or those people we treasure the most. And the truth, and we saw it in the text and we'll see it again, is our heart always follows our treasure. We, we treasure all kinds of things. Things are popping in your head maybe right now. You know, when we were young, we think of maybe treasure maps. We think of pirates or, or through our lives. We think of different things along the way that we've treasured. I mean, I remember for a good chunk of my childhood, I treasured baseball cards more than anything. I mean, a piece of paper with somebody's face on it. Like that was what I treasured above everything. And so it was all about going to the flea market as often as I could with what little money I had to invest all that I had in getting another baseball card. And it was just my life. But, but the thing is, is as we grow, we mature. Those things change. Those change things from we treasure a baseball card to we treasure a person. We treasure our job. We treasure our hobbies. We treasure all kinds of different things. And we may even say we have multiple treasures. But the, the question is, what do we treasure most? What is more important to us and what is more valuable to us than any other thing in our lives? And Jesus wants to speak into that, into our lives, those most valuable things. And so I want us to look at Matthew chapter six, Sermon on the Mount. And again, this is right in the middle, right in the heart of the sermon. He's just talked about how to pray. He's just talked about the spiritual discipline of fasting. And now he talks about treasure. So I want to read that passage one more time. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. For where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, generosity connected closely to what we treasure. Our hearts always follow our treasure. They always do. So three facts about treasure and about us. The first is this. Some treasures are lost. Some treasures are lost because they're temporary. Some treasures just don't last. And Jesus, in this short verse in 19, he gives us three pictures that would have connected to the hearts of his listeners there. And they connect to our hearts today. Three uh, three treasures, object lesson, lessons that are lost. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Three pictures. One, he talks about where moth, where moth, moths <laughs> destroy. It's kind of hard to say. Moths destroy. All right. Because as he was talking to this crowd, however many people may be there, a mark, a mark of, of, of riches, a mark of being rich in, in earthly treasure would be revealed in the quality and the quantity of clothing that one had. And so no doubt that you had in that crowd, you had people who longed to have the better stuff, like maybe other people, or you had the ones that had all the better stuff. They're listening in. And so, and so what Jesus is saying is like, listen, don't store up for yourself earthly treasure. The goal is not attaining quality and quantity of clothes, because here's why, because there is moths that can eat them. Okay. They can destroy them. Some of us in this room are still wearing our 20 year old favorite t-shirt, right? I, I have a, a t-shirt pile in my, in my closet. Uh, and, and some of them have holes, right? They wear out. They wear out. 
or, or clothing is just going to wear away. And so Jesus is encouraging, hey, it's not, about, it's not about status and it's not about the accumulation of quantity and quality of clothing. Moths are going to eat that away. A second picture, he says, where rust destroy, moth and rust destroy. So rust, that, that word there literally means to eat away. Rust means eating, eating away. And so it could be that this is speaking to uh, worms and insects that would eat away at the grains that would be stored in silos. They'd store their, in their storehouses this grain. And, and there's this warning about storing up, heaping up, accumulating uh, all of this, all this, 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 this abundance. Because, listen, worms, insects are going to eat that away. Also, physically and, and, and very practically speaking about the rusting away of metal. That, that things just rust away. About two years ago, um, I drove, uh, I drove a, a Corolla for many years. It was like a 16-year-old Corolla. I called it my sweet Corolla. And, and we all name our cars that, that are close to our hearts, right? Uh, and so, so uh, I drove it about till the wheels came off. Paint was peeling off. There was literal rust on the Corolla. And, and it was just time. It was time to... To, to trade it in. That was a tough day. I'm just going to say I'm still kind of mourning that. But, uh, but I went and traded in for, for the truck I got now. And, and so there's, it's a process to do all that. And so there's this window of time where I'm just making small talk with the guy who owns the car lot. So used car lot in, uh, in Avon Park, Florida. And we were sitting there and we were talking. And, and I was just trying to make small talk with him. And I was like, man, I was like, I mean, he had some really big like tricked out trucks, big tires, some really sporty cars and everything in between. And I was talking about, I was like, man, I was like, you can probably take whatever car you want to any day you want to, you know, it's like, what's that like? And, and I will never forget. It was very convicting. Honestly, he just looked at me and he just said, it's all metal. He said, it's just a piece of metal. And, and come to find out, we ended up, he's a, he's a believer, loves the Lord and, and, and all of that. But, but his thing was this, it was like, Listen, it's just metal rust. It doesn't last. You can't take it with you. You can't, it's not, it's, it just wears out. And so it's, it's where moth and rust destroy. And then he, he goes on to say, and where thieves break in and steal. That, that, that language there literally means to dig through, to dig through in this idea that if you're heaping up, accumulating and you're you're kind of hoarding all of that in your space that, listen, don't you realize that, that those objects can just be taken away, that they can be stolen. Uh, it, it's very closely, this, this passage in Matthew 6, very closely connected to Luke chapter 12. There's a parable over there in verses 16 through 21. And the Bible says this, Luke 12, verse, uh, I want to start in verse 13, but says this, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, I, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and 
be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, fool, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? And so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God says that, that one is foolish if they live their life in such a way that it is all about the accumulation and the consumption of wealth for oneself. Because here is this brother who has made it. The new barns got built and now I can eat, drink and be merry. And the sobering reality is this, is that in this parable on that night, that this man's soul was required of him. And now where does all those new barns and silos and all that grain go? And so it's a very sobering story to talk about, to communicate a, a kingdom principle, to talk about this eternity that we're all designed for. Um, I, I love board games. We, we, are, we are big uh, game people in my house, but one game I think we all know about and are familiar with, but at least I thought uh, few have truly accomplished it is a game called Monopoly. Okay, Monopoly. Now I, I took a quick poll last uh, first hour. So I'm curious. So I have never completed Monopoly. I've played it multiple times, but I never made it to the end. And so I'm just curious, how many of you have actually completed a game of Monopoly? I'm a failure again. Okay, <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, nobody's going to raise their hand because everybody quits. Just me. I'm a quitter in Monopoly. But, but here's the thing with Monopoly. It's all, it's all the goal is accumulate. Like get boardwalk, get park place, like get park, get, get it all. Just accumulate, accumulate. When we, uh, when our family moved here back in the summer, the church gifted us with Olive Branch Opoly. And, uh, and this is such a cool game. And so just like Monopoly, only in this one, you can win Old Town or you can take City Hall or the City Park or Cherokee Valley Golf Course. And it's all about accumulating, accumulating, accumulating. But even though maybe I'm the one failure who would never finish the game, um, one thing is true. The same thing happens at the end of every game. And that is you open the box and you put it all back in and you close the box and you put it away. In other words, this game, it's awesome that you dominate. It's awesome that you get all of that wealth and, and park place and all that stuff. Cherokee, all that's great. But at the end of the day, it all goes back in the box. And, and no offense, but nobody cares if you dominated in the game, right? If you go in the next day, I dominated in Monopoly. So I was like, good job, way to go. And then they're on about their business. But, but the thing is, this is what's true. And this is sobering is that, that if Jesus tarries, that, that I believe the return of Christ is imminent. I really believe that with all my heart. But, but if he tarries, that there will be a day when my days here are over. And that, and that when, when, when there is perhaps whatever happens for me at, at the end of that, at the end of the day, there's, there's nothing that's gonna, there's nothing that's coming with. You don't see hearses pulling U-Hauls anywhere around the, 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 the place because it just, it just doesn't happen. And Randy Alcorn, he wrote a great book called The Treasure Principle. He says this, 
He says, earth's currency will become worthless when Christ returns or when you die, whichever comes first, to live uh, seeking earthly treasure. If that's your aim, you will be eternally disappointed. And so some treasure is lost. Some treasure doesn't last because it's temporary, but there is some treasure that will last. There's some treasure that will last because it's eternal. Christ swings the pendulum from verse 19 to verse 20. He says in verse 20, but, but instead, but lay up, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Heavenly treasure last. What is heavenly treasure? There are two things that we are acquainted with. That, that, that are eternal. God's word and people. God's word and people. That, 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 that these are the two things that are eternal, that last forever and ever. And so the question becomes, how are we investing in what is going to last forever? How are we, how are we investing? Three, it's been said, there are three realizations that change everything. The first is this, nothing I am and nothing I have really belong to me. Nothing I have, or excuse me, nothing I am and nothing I have really truly belong to me. And if you're a note taker, write Psalm 24, one right beside there, because this passage reminds us the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. It's all his, that changes everything. When we realize everything we have is his. Second is this, everything I am and everything I have ultimately belong to God. He has entrusted us a divine stewardship, a divine stewardship. So, so everything I have, everything I am, I don't, doesn't belong to me. Everything I am, everything I have truly belongs to him. And a third is he wants me to invest all that I am and all that I have in his kingdom. And so, so even like, my hands. It's like, God, help me. Help me that I would use my hands in such a way that I would invest in eternal purposes, growing your kingdom, using whatever it might be to serve with my hands, with my feet. God, that my feet would be swift to invest in what is going to outlast, what's eternal, what's, what's kingdom. What's heaven, treasure in heaven? Help me to focus that. My, my eyes. All of us, we, we look at the world through a particular kind of lens. And that we would, by God's grace, look through our worlds, through the, the eyes and perspective of our heavenly father. What is eternal? Our homes. It's more than just a place where we lay our head at night. It's a place where God desires us to invest in kingdom purposes, everything we have, my job, my mouth, everything for the kingdom, because we've been purchased as believers. We've been purchased first Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 and 20 says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. It's this reminder that, that God has rescued for a believer, those who have repented of their sin, placed their faith and trust in Christ, been saved, been forgiven, been set free from the power of sin and death, that, that we have been purchased. And so we have been bought at the highest price. 
And that is the blood of Jesus. And, and Christ says, so glorify God. So glorify God. This is what we have been made for. God has entrusted us with time. He's entrusted us with talent. He's entrusted us with treasure. And the question that we must ask as believers is, are we investing in kingdom? Are we investing in heavenly treasure? Some treasures lost, some treasure will last, but all treasure tells a bigger story. It all tells a bigger, bigger, bigger story. Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I mentioned that early on. It's a principle. It's true. It is, it is show me who or what you value more than anything else. And your heart is going to follow that thing. It's not the other way around. And so God, God wants our hearts. And for the believer, for the believer, for the believer that we would settle in on this truth. And I believe by God's grace, when we really focus on the beauty of Christ, that we understand and realize for the believer, Christ is our treasure. He is our treasure. He is more valuable than any person. He's more valuable than anything. He's more valuable than any hobby. He's more valuable than any title or words you could have beside your name. He is more valuable than any tangible object that you can say belongs to me. He, he is the treasure. Christ is the treasure. And here is something I pray on a daily basis for. I pray for revival and I pray for awakening. I pray for a revival. I pray for spiritual awakening. I understand that for that to happen, it starts in my heart first. And so as we pray, what happens is when Christ is our treasure and we value him more than any other person, place, or thing in our world, that is what happens. Revival begins to happen. Spiritual awakening begins to happen. And when that happens in the life of a faith family, what happens is Christ is glorified and he draws people to himself and he does a mighty, mighty work. Christ is our treasure. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He tells us this Old Testament, New Testament, uh, Deuteronomy chapter four, verse six through nine. This is called the Shema. Jews recite this in the morning and at night every day. They say this, they say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall teach of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. In other words, when you're sitting, when you're walking, when you rise up, when you go to bed, be reminded of this truth. Love the Lord, your God. Love the Lord, your God. Why? Because our hearts can be easily distracted. Our hearts can be distracted. He goes on to say in the New Testament, teacher, tell us, tell us what's, what's the most important command? What, what is it? What is it? Jesus says this, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. 
you shall love the, you shall love the Lord your God. This is, your heart is the control center of your life. It's the center of your will. It's the center of your emotions. It's the center of your decision-making. It is the center of our affection. And so God bring us revival. Our hearts follow our treasure. Our time follows our treasure. Our talent follows our treasure. Our resources follow our treasure. C.S. Lewis says this. I love this quote. Aim at heaven. Aim at heaven and you will get the earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Such a power. Picture Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom. All everything else truly does take care of itself. And so God help us. Help us to live with a heavenly perspective. That can be so hard to do. I, I, I have a picture, uh, a visual to kind of help us. Um, I have a rope here and uh, this rope literally might go on forever. <laughs> we got a lot of rope and we were tempted. We were tempted as a, as a team. We kind of talked about it, like how cool it would be to drape this everywhere in the worship center, like almost where you have to climb over it but we didn't want anybody to be injured today when they came to church. So, so we're just gonna keep it up here. But I want you to imagine that this rope goes on forever, that it just keeps going, it keeps going. And, and what this rope represents is your life and it represents my life. I mentioned that, that there are two things that are eternal, God's word and people. And so there was a time where you did not exist, but there will never be a time where you don't exist. You have a soul. You're eternal. These bodies we walk around in, they are wasting away. We will, as believers in the Lord, we will be given a glorified body in eternity. But, but, but as for now, our bodies are wearing out. And, and I thought I might get some amens there, but, but hey, it's all right. Um, but, 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 but this represents our life. And here's the deal. Is it, and, and I'm at the top of the list. We get so this red, this red tip here. This represents our life today. This represents our time on this earth. And we find ourselves so focused on living for this. Like I, I remember being a student growing up in my home and I remember longing for that day of independence. Like I just cannot wait to that day. I can't wait. So I'm like right here and I'm like, I can't wait for that day of independence. Or, or, or maybe you're right here and you, you're working really, really hard now so that you can have this kind of time a little closer to here to, you know, to, to enjoy and, and, you know, that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But, but the, the challenge is, is how many of us just think about this, that our whole lives revolve around this. When the reality is this is our life. This represents our life now, but this, this represents our life for all eternity. And the challenge becomes, are we living for the red or are we living for the rest? That, 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 how and in what ways is the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, calling us to areas of generosity, speaking us, uh, challenging us to invest in eternity? Because, because here's the thing is that there are good, loving people. I, I want to put an asterisk right here. We need to be wise. Okay. We need to be wise stewards. But the challenge becomes is when all we do is think of this. And we never think of this. 
And that, 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 that some might even say, look at the way uh, maybe, a, a, maybe a believer uh, lives out their life in, in the area of stewardship and the time and talent treasure. And they, they look and they're like, like you're a fool. Like this, this is so foolish. And, and to which maybe it's like, no, like Luke 12, if you read the parable, like if this is all you're focusing on, they, there's, a, there's a foolishness here. And so it is this challenge of living with an eternal perspective. God help us, God help us to aim at heaven, to aim at heaven. We're gonna get both, but aim at earth, you get neither. So are we living for the red or are we living for the rest? So there's three application points that I wanna encourage us with this day uh, as we're wrapping up. One is this, is I do wanna just speak a word of encouragement to believers to those in the room who have had that time and that place where they've repented of their sin and they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And the, the, the real life part of this is it is so easy. It is so easy to focus here because very few may be around us focus here. And so I put my name at the top of the list. It's so easy to get so focused on this little bit, but yet God is calling us to think eternally, to think heavenly, that as we grow, we mature and we become more and more like our dad. We want to become generous because our daddy's generous, our heavenly father. You think of John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he, he gave, he sent, he gifted, that he gave, he sent, he gifted his one and only son, He's a generous God. We have a generous heavenly father. And so he has, he has gifted us with his generosity and as believers. We have the opportunity to live out that character that he has to those around us. This generosity. Scripture teaches us about the joy that comes in giving. The joy that comes in giving. So, so whether it's giving your time. Okay, I almost think we have three buckets we're all walking around with three buckets. Bucket number one is time. Bucket two is talent. Bucket three is treasure, resources. We're all, walk, we all have got, we've all got these buckets. We all have got them. And the challenge as a believer is, in what ways is the Holy Spirit calling us to generously invest in heavenly treasure with these buckets that we have? That what has God calling us to? What's he, what's he, what's he, yeah, what's he, what's he convicting us, guiding us in? How can we be generous? How can we be generous? Um, I, I know, I know I mentioned like giving, giving just in general, whether it is your time, your talent, your treasure, like when you give generously, God is honored. When you give joyfully, God is honored. Giving is an act of worship. I love second Corinthians chapter nine, verses six and seven. It says this, the point is this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. He's a generous God. And when his children are generous, he's honored. And so it might be, well, I'm not just real sure to start. My, my encouragement would be just take a step of faith. Just take a step of faith. God will show himself faithful, whether that's your time, your talent, your treasure. And it might even be just a renewed awareness of, heaven, of having a heavenly perspective. And maybe it's starting with, with praying for wisdom, right? Praying for wisdom. I love James 1, 5. 
James 1.5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives, I love this, generously. He gives generously, generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. And so may we, may we take some time maybe out of the hustle and bustle and all the go, 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 go. And, and, and from the youngest heart to the oldest heart who has a relationship with Jesus, it's like, God, how are you calling me to invest right now in heavenly treasure with what you have stewarded to me. It's a divine stewardship. It's all yours. Everything I have, everything I am belong to you. God, show me, show me how. Give me, give me a sensitivity and then give me the boldness to step out. Second point of application is this. It'd be uh, an encouragement to pray about how you might uh, take part in a special offering that's gonna be coming up uh, in a few months. Uh, I had shared at the family meeting, if you are able to be a part of that, but uh, just that as we move forward, we want to simplify the number of times that we come to our faith family above our weekly tithes and offerings to give uh, special offerings. And so uh, one way we're going to be able to do that is, is, is kind of this year. And as we move forward, looking at two offerings, these are over and above. These are separate from the weekly tithes and offerings. By the way, I just want to say thank you for your generosity and your gracious giving. God graciously allowed us to have a very healthy wrap up to 2020. And he's just faithful. He's good like that. He's just, he used your faithfulness. But we're going to have two special offerings. One, I'll just mention, but another I want to focus in on. One is going to be in November. It's going to be in November. It's going to be a great commission offering. That we feel by simplifying and focusing, it's going to allow us to be even more strategic with our missions giving. As Southern Baptists, we're a Southern Baptist church, and I love that. As a Southern Baptist church, we give across the year three different offerings. Christmas, we have a Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 100% goes to international missions. We had a church goal of $28,000. Last number I saw was over $31,000. That, are, that is invested 100% in investing, training, and equipping international missionaries to go all across the world. Praise the Lord. It's extremely generous. That in Easter, as Southern Baptists, typically we have what we call Annie Armstrong. And this, where the, the, the Christmas offering goes internationally, the Annie Armstrong stays within our continent here, North America. It's the North American Mission Board. It goes to encourage, equip, train up, and resource church planters and new works all across our continent. And so what an opportunity and a blessing to give to that. And then in the fall, there's what's called the Margaret Lackey State Offering, which goes to invest locally. We are going to give faithfully and continue to give faithfully to Annie Armstrong, Lottie Moon, and Margaret. But what we want to do is we want to streamline and focus so it's not coming these multiple times, but rather let's look at this great commission offering and focus on mission and as God lays on our heart, we give joyfully and see what God does. It's going to be a blessing. And the second offering I mentioned is what we're going to call our moving forward offering. And what this allows us to do is it allows us to bring more focus into moving the mission forward as a local church. Specifically in two areas. That on this moving forward offering, which is going to be March the 7th, Sunday, March the 7th, on that day, it's going to be a special offering. That what the goal of that offering is, number one, to 
to meet what we call our weekly budget requirement. So, so just like you all have, we have a budget and we, we chop that into bite-sized pieces over the year. And so what we want to do first with that one offering is, is, is meet our weekly need. And then above that to dedicate $10,000 to two projects that are going to help us move the mission forward today. Tangible that we can see and taste today. A few of those or two of those are going to be one. We want to provide a connecting space close to our worship center to be able to interact with guests who may come, a connecting place. Um, I, I almost, I, I, I kind of was torn up on whether to share or not share, but I'll share. Okay. Is that cool with y'all? All right. Okay. So, so a couple times I like to sit right outside there in the front and I love to meet first time guests. It's one of my favorite things to do. And as they come in, depending on when they may come, um, they come in and maybe it's not a time where they can come in the worship center. And so there went the rope. And so, so in those times, um, I've seen two things happen. One, I've seen first time guests really not sure what to do. Uh, and, and so they sit in an empty Sunday school class until, until the time has come and they kind of hang out there. Or um, some have come maybe really early and there's really not sure what to do. And so they've left and I've, I've hoped they've come back. I, you know, I don't know, but, but when we provide a space to connect and greet and to be able to point people to it allows us to be able to make that impact on those guests who God may bring to our campus. Also on evangelistic emphasis outreach events that we want to invest in evangelistic outreach events. One of my hopes in our heart we've talked about as a staff is we'd love to do a spring festival that is for our city and points our city to Jesus and has a, a great time of connecting with our community. And so granted, there's all kinds of, you know, regulations right now. So we're praying through that, but, but, but specifically enhance outreach opportunity. And so with that one offering, March 7th, there is the meet the weekly need that 10,000 goes to uh, uh, tangible, tangible projects today that we see and experience. But then everything over that goes to attack our debt. And I'll just let you know, I hate debt as much as you do. <laughs> I hate it. Why? Because every debt and every dollar going to debt is a dollar not going to mission and ministry. That as an annual budget, just like you have an annual budget, we have about $165,000 a year that goes to pay a mortgage note. And by the way, that number, we have about two, about 2.1 million debt. I just know that number doesn't scare me at all. <laughs> That's a little number, right? It's a little number in God's economy. But what we want to do is we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful and we want to, I told the 8 a.m. crew, we want to punch it in the face. Like we want to, we want to attack that. But we also want to focus on moving the mission forward. And so, so that's what moving forward offering is all about, is that there are these two offerings over the course of this year, Great Commission and moving forward. And, and here's the encouragement. Just pray. Just pray. How would God have you invest? And we trust the Lord and we know God is going to be gracious to lead and guide and to direct. The last thing I would say is this, is, is this whole idea of... Uh, of, of mission that God has, 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 has called his church to live on mission for his glory, for his mission. Um, that, that, that one of the specific character traits we see about our heavenly father, and we're reminded of it today. And that is how generous our God is, how generous our God is. The fact that God so loved the world that he gave, and it could be that you're here today 
and you've never began a relationship with Christ. You never began a relationship. And so just be encouraged today. Be encouraged if you're listening online. For God so loved the world that he gave generously his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That the reality is, is that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That the word teaches us, but God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we understand the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And that the word tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so my question lastly would be to someone who may be here listening. Have you ever responded to the generosity of God toward you and his love toward you? And I would just encourage you today to know that God loves you so much that he generously gave all. And so that is so that you could be accepted in the beloved, so that you could be cleansed from all of your sin, so that you could be gifted with his spirit to be for us everything we could never be on our own, to yes, spend eternity with him. I've heard it said eternity is too long to be wrong. Too long to be wrong. And that not only that, but he has, he has gifted us, challenged us to a mission. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so God help us as his church to move forward. And today that might be moving forward to begin a relationship with Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of today. God, thank you so much for uh, just the blessing together as the body of Christ. God, thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you for such clear teaching. And God, what is so humbling and, and amazing is that you love us more than anybody ever could. And so in your great love and your care for your people, God, you are teaching us how to live a fulfilled life. And it's certainly not found in chasing treasure earthly treasure. It's found in investing in heavenly treasure. Your word, people, the mission you've entrusted us for your glory. So God, may we be sensitive to your leading. May we be obedient to what you've laid on our heart as we look at our buckets. But Father, may we live not for the red, but for the rest, for the rest. And Father, for Anybody here who doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray today would be the day of salvation. God, would you do a great work amongst us? God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a time of response. And, and as we do, I just want you to feel freedom, whether that's to pray at your pew there, to pray here at the altar. We'll have pastors here who would love the opportunity to pray over you. But let's just be sensitive and respond to however the Lord would lead us today.